How are you guys doing? Welcome over here. This episode is sponsored by Raycon. I didn't uh, make a video yesterday because I didn't know anything that was going on really about the dam. To be completely honest with you guys, we know it blew. There's a lot of water we got released. Willie's done a ton of research on it. We're not going to touch on it for an hour, but we're going to touch on it for a little bit just because no one really knows, to be fair. I personally think the Russians did it, and I'm going to give you my reasoning, not just because I'm on the side of Ukraine, but it makes a little bit more sense for them to do it than the Ukrainians. Ukrainians are, I don't know. I'm, I'm going to go ahead and let you talk uh, about the dam, and I'll give you my, my two pieces or my two cents on it here in one second. Yeah, so the dam is very interesting. The Novokakovka dam, as we know, has burst. It's been an absolute ecological disaster. There's been, look, the reported deaths in anything like this is very, very low at the beginning. It's like any natural disaster. It's like, oh, it's not that bad. And over the coming weeks, it gets shocking. Uh, the fallout for the um, environment is going to be horrific, not only for the animals that were in the zoo, the occupied zoo that have been swept away, and we've heard that all but the um, ducks have died, but also for the environment around there from, well, if a service station, like a fuel station gets flooded, carries out the oils, the diesels, whatever, it, things like that. We know that this area is an agricultural area as well, so continues in just horrific ecological disaster like this. And dams as well are something that Geneva Convention does prohibit the targeting of as well due to the flow-on effect from here. And we know that Ukraine through the Dnipro River has a number of dams running north to south and as well as string off from there. As far as who did it, I don't believe there's a smoking gun on either side. Now, if you did a graph of who's more likely, I believe the Russians, to do it. If Ukraine started having a breakthrough somewhere, flood that it basically wipes out a long way of offensive where you could come over into an offensive um, role in there and it then can condense your forces from where they were into another area and as well as you know but it does have that condensing effect for the ukrainians as well and ukraine has said that it won't affect their counteroffensives coming up from there or on the on the third option of russia did it ukraine did it it could just be that it has burst at a very, well, very poorly timed because the offensive has started, you know, within 48 hours before it and from damage to it, poor maintenance from, I should mention as well, the Novokovka Dam was uh, under control by the Russian forces. So if it is that the dam has burst, it is then under Russian control. So it is their fault and it's their fault either way. But that they haven't opened the sluice gates to let the water through or from there the maintenance hasn't been kept up whatever what we do know is that area has had a lot of shelling go back and forward and both shells from both sides have struck the dam over this amount of time will typical field artillery wipe out a dam no are there rockets artillery systems that can wipe out a dam yes uh, there was a dam burst back in 1941 that the Soviets blew up as well on the Dnipro, very similar re region, and the amount of TNT it took on, believing TNT, was 20 tonnes to take it out to stop the Nazis then coming through. Then the Nazis rebuilt the dam, and then the Nazis blew up the dam when they were leaving. So <laughs> it's similarly to this, but it is a shocking that's happened. There's tens of thousands, if not hundreds of thousands, that will have lost their home, need rescuing. One big thing it does give on Russia's favour as well is it then also takes Ukrainian, not only emergency services, but soldiers off the front line. It's very common soldiers in both peacetime, whatever, go and help out on natural disasters. I myself have, I won't say deployed, but gone out into a flood and helped 
a flood when I was in the military. People do things like this. And we've already seen footage from drones delivering bottles of water to people who are stuck on rooftops, things like this. That as well then gives takes resources off the Ukrainian front line further helping than the Russians. One big thing on the um, side that the, the cons for Russia is it wiped out so many of their defences that they'd spent a long, long time building. Like, it just wipes them out completely. There's um, reports that there's been Russians, like heaps of Russians, then also um, swept away in these waters as well. So at this point in my mind, there's not a smoking gun. That's that's my mind. Is there's no smoking gun. If you had said which way are you more leaning, I'm leaning towards that Russia did it. People say that it was mind, whatever. I'm leaning that way. And for the two, for the three possibilities, you could you could claim Russia is responsible for all three. But whether it's a lack of maintenance from water build up or from mind, they're responsible either way. Something that is interesting as well, and oh, if you don't have the graph, Charles will send it to you, is the water got to record levels right before it blew. It went, actually went, it went opposite. low it went, and then high. Yes, it went almost damn near drained, not drained, but really low levels to really peak levels and held those peak levels for like two to three months yeah. and just held mm-hmm. the highest level it's ever been. So I don't know. I don't, I don't know if, if it going so low created some sort of stress. And then hit it real hard with waters. I mean, think about water pressure is significantly, it's powerful. I mean, it is really powerful. Now, saying that they didn't blow it, I don't know. I don't know. It doesn't really matter because it's already happened at this point. There's a lot of stuff that's going on. Like he talked about, you have military personnel and you also have uh, one of the most valuable pieces of, of resources for the Ukrainians right now is going to be their like health care, or not their health, their health workers. I mean, the people that are like their, their nurses, their aides, and all, all, all that kind of stuff is now having to be shifted to this area to help the civilians. So that is going to affect them a little bit. But I do believe this is a short-term, if it was, we're going to say if it was blown by the Russians, is a short-term um, success. And I think it's going to end up in long-term failure with the fact that, I, that the, the Ukrainians are pushing down from the north right now. They are pushing... Out of Zaporizhia and out of the Orkiv area, from what I've what I've been able to find out since the beginning of this episode has started, they are pushing down and they have made a little bit of headway. And they're also hitting the town of Tokmak again, which it has not been brought up on in conversation in probably a year. To be, yeah, rude. It, yeah, it's probably been. A, we haven't said a word about Tokmak in a very long time. And the only reason why I said that Russians could have possibly done this is to slow the most a possible advancement from the west, or absolutely just wipe it out so they can focus on the north or whatever they're doing. I also know that the Russian Legion, uh, she was, what's that called again? The Freedom of Russian the Freedom Legion. Freedom of Russian Legion. So this is this is also another thing that they're doing down there in the southern side of the country is, I mean, the, I, it's more of a, a threatening type deal, but they are addressing all the residents of Crimea. They don't believe in anything that happened after 2014. Uh, they're looking, this actually announces in, in talking to everybody down there. It's kind of what they've been doing up in the north as well, but this one's more public. This, if, I mean, if I'm saying it. They're, they're, they went out there and said that they're looking to get more support in their common victory. They want to know exact locations and points and deployment and the addresses of all residents of occupying troops. They're looking for actual geolocated references. Uh, places of residents of leadership and occupying forces. They want the coordinates. Locations and routes of movement to military vehicles and equipment. Accurate info about the local collaborators who went over to the side of the enemy. They want, they, uh, talking about the Russians. They want their address, their locations, their coordinates. They want their full name, positions, and where they work. They want sympathizers. Uh, anybody who sympathizes the entire time supporters of the occupying force and their info. 
They want everybody to avoid any of those places. I don't know if this is like a precursor to some of the kind of stuff we saw before the Americans went and took France or the France. And I remember what happened. We walked through, we went through what they did to them, all the sympathizers. I don't know if you guys have seen those. It's not like they want to kill them, but I mean, they pretty much carved a Nazi swats gun in their head and shaved their heads. I don't know if you, did you ever, have you ever seen all that stuff? Not on the Americans, I'm not very versed in it. No, the Americans, they're not the ones that did it. It was the people that were... Oh, sorry. The, the, for the French, like, resistance. Yeah, we, we definitely yeah. didn't do it. Sorry. I, I wasn't tracking the liberated. No, we, we liberated yeah. some towns, and not just us, but the Canadians and everybody else. Mm. When those towns got liberated, the females that slept and, and the sympathizers that went with the Nazis, they carved yeah. in their head and they shaved them so everybody knew who they were. Mm. Why did they tattooed their forehead? I want to make sure I got that right. They tattooed their forehead or it's carved it, Charles? Do you know? Not Inglorious Bastards, they carved it in. Yeah. Was One of the carved? best movies ever. Really? No, I should just say on Inglorious Bastards at the end. Something, while you look that up, something I did miss that I want to speak of on the um, Novikovka Dam, this will be the last bits, is the left bank of the Dnipro is what the Russians occupy. The left bank is lower than the right bank. So the flooding will be worse on the left bank. Now, as well, the flooding, the floodwaters will still rise. So from what I'm reading online is that it was only the top section so far uh, has actually been destroyed and the lower part is still there. So the flooding hasn't been as bad as it could be, although the lower part could still be very compromised and as well as water is still flowing across. But it is flooding the Russian-occupied area significantly worse. Um, I was incorrect. I don't think they actually carved it. I must have got that from Inglorious Bastards, to be honest with you. They definitely shaved all their heads. I'm sitting there looking at it. They shaved all the females' heads, yeah. Yeah. See. All right. I had her incorrect, but it doesn't really <laughs> matter. I guess it just I smashed two pieces of fake history with actual real history. I mean, uh, look at that. That's how minds work. That is how, that is how minds work. <laughs> and smash it together. And so the other, the other little bit I just wanted to say was by that um, dam then going, go, blowing up and going down, it then lowers the water level on the northern side of that. So it then could lower, so it could increase the chance of an amphibious warfare from there as well. But what it does, so downstream, is it wipes out the bridges from crossings and whatever too. So if you do a pros and cons list, in my mind there's no absolute smoking gun, but hopefully we will know officially, but it's it's very difficult. Zelensky has written on Telegram, intelligence reports on the situation of the Kokovka hydroelectric power plant. The main conclusion is that the detonation was intentional, but the enemy acted chaotically and allowed flooding of its own equipment. At the same time, the explosion did not affect Ukraine's ability to de-occupy its territories. Before we move on from this, I do have one more piece I do want to speak about it, though, on how I do believe if we see the Ukrainians do a certain thing where it actually may favor them quite Heavily coming in the next couple couple weeks. Whoop. Anyway, we got uh, Raycon. So Raycon is on a mission to prove to you guys that you guys don't have to pay an arm and a leg for quality sound and essential smart tech listening features. There's no BS. Now, thanks to Raycon, you guys are paying half the price for the same, if not better, quality earbuds. Raycon doesn't outsource the design development of their earbuds at all. Their small but mighty team of design audio and engineers cut their teeth at brands like Bose and Peloton. Now you guys get a pair and a spare of them because sometimes you might lose them. I don't know, you might step on them, you might run them over, I don't know, and still pay less than you guys would of those other more big-name tech brands out there. Now, Raycon knows that the economy is very, well, it's tough. 
and every purchase needs to be perfect. They offer buy now, pay now options as well. So you guys don't have to pay like $18 a month if you guys really want at checkout. It's really easy. Now you guys can get two years of product protection insurance for just a few bucks. They offer free domestic shipping and or, hey, guess what? You can ship internationally with a flat fee. They have easy access and free return guarantee. They have over 50,000 five-star reviews. Now, I'm going to tell you guys right now, my favorite features is this little earbud noise isolation. This thing right here, it's got, it's, it, by the way, these little rubber things, they have different sizes. Everybody's ear hole is different. I'm telling you right now, Willie's is massive. He's got mega ear holes. Mine a little bit smaller. So mine, when I stick them in there, they go, they just suck in there. Can't hear what Willie's saying. If I don't want to listen to him pipe off about stuff for the next 45 minutes, I just shove one of these in here. It's great. And you also have crystal clear call quality, which is pretty good. So I can take a phone call while he's pretty much talking to himself, which he does all the time. So all you guys got to do is click the link in the very top description and go to buyraycon.com forward slash speak the truth and get 15% off your Raycon purchase. That's buyraycon.com forward slash speak the truth and get 15% off your Raycon purchase. Now, when I talk about gel tips, when I shove these things in there, guys, look. Oh, I'm not going to do that, too. I'll give myself a concussion. But you know what I mean? I can go on a freaking 20-mile run, which I don't really do. Sweat profusely. Goes in my ears. are going to stay in. They're amazing. So I was going to tell you guys, uh, I still have this Nazi sympathizer thing pulled up. And it just reminded me. I forgot to tell you. Tell you I think I may have told you, but i tell you, Charles. So they do a D-Day thing in, in Normandy. Every year they go over there. They, they like, I don't want to say they play dress up, but they everybody, they have, like, like everybody's in, I want to call it characters either. I don't even know what that's called. When you, when you're playing the part, everybody, there's like thousands of people and they reenactment. Reenactment. Thank you so much. They have the actual Humvees. They have the actual airplanes. They do the actual jump. I asked them, I was like, yo, can I do this? Next year I get to jump into Normandy. I got to go take my, I got to go research again on jumping in October, but I get to go jump into Normandy, which is pretty awesome. I'm pretty excited about that. On the 80th anniversary of D-Day, it's going to be big. Shit. That's awesome. That's gonna, it's going to be great. Can we reenact the enemy? Go shoot it. <laughs> shoot it while coming down. Yeah, I don't know about that. Just simunition. Which is, you know, it's even crazier. So you want to talk about uh, flooding fields. Rommel flooded, flooded the fields up there in northern France. So when they jumped in, they would be stuck in big, mucky fields and were drowned and mm. couldn't cross it. And it worked, didn't it? Yeah, it worked pretty well. But he still got his ass whooped. So yeah. it didn't work that well. Didn't work that well. Didn't work that well. Speaking about crossing water, have you heard about the Japanese in the Pacific who like an entire brigade or battalion got wiped out by crocodiles? I did actually, yeah. Bro, that's hectic. Yeah, that is. It was cool. hundreds, man. Like hundreds of Japanese soldiers waded into a field and the Marines there were just like, okay, we'll ambush them. And they just heard screams all night. They're like, what the fuck's yeah, going I, on? And that. like hundreds of crocodiles or uh, must be a crocodile, an alligator just fucking obliterated them there. Like, damn. Because, you know, the Japanese also flew all the way across the Atlantic, or excuse me, the Pacific, and bombed Pearl Harbor. Yeah. Have you seen that guy on TikTok that's like, this is going to be my outfit for, like, inspired by Pearl Harbor? And he's what? like, I'm going to wear this next scarf because I feel like it's, like, of the time, and I'm going to wear, like, camo because you need know, to incorporate something military. It's great. Is it real? Yeah. Is he, is he being serious, though? Yeah. <laughs> like, like he does like outfits inspired by like e random events because like other ones would be like this is inspired by the building of the Eiffel Tower or this and then it's like Pearl Harbor like, <laughs> <laughs> what fair <laughs> okay as uh, you do and it's a guy with a scarf yeah it's like you know, mm. one of those 40s scarves like a like one a pilot would have yeah and the mm. white one yeah the, the badass goggles too no I can't, I can't remember I should try and find it it's pretty good how did you even find that? What, what were you searching? Dude, I go hours down TikTok. 
if I'm not writing for this. That's not that's not good, dude. You already have a brain tumor. You're literally killing yourself faster by getting on TikTok. Someone commented the other day, like, I thought this guy was meant to be dead months ago. It's like, <laughs> that's not really how my tumor works, but uh, it will get me. I just won't come back on the show one day. God, I thought this guy was supposed to be dead months ago. I thought he was too, but he still keeps flying Sorry to disappoint. <laughs> Damn. Sorry, he's still alive. He's still drinking heavily. I don't drink that much. So, offensives. We've seen some movements on the front line as well, a bit of everywhere. So you've got one from Orakeeve that's the most recent push down from there. Was it Orakeeve? Yeah, it was. And you also have some that's actually pushed it down from Bachman as well, which I don't even know how true that is. I keep seeing people talking about then like, no, we got to keep operational security. I'm like, what about the rest of the war? You guys have literally talked about every single thing that could be possibly happening like, the entire time. They released a trailer for the offenses. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and it was a, a banger too. Yeah, like, that was a good trailer. Epic. It was better than any movie trailer I've seen here. In, in it was a, yeah, good for recruitment. <laughs> yeah, actually it was pretty good. I'm sure it was. I, I, I don't really know. Yeah, but we have a, I have a video I would like to share with everybody about um, our boy Pogosian. He is, God bless. He's coming out and throttling everything that has to do with the Russian... I don't know. He is... I don't know what side he's on. I think he's on his own side. I think he might be starting his own state soon. I don't know what he's doing. I really don't. But the guy doesn't, does not fucking care about anything. There was rumor that Prigozhin... And this, I should say this is just a dirty, dirty rumor. That Prigozhin basically said if if you like take off the terrorist list money, whatever, then I will give up positions of whatever of the Russian forces. Like, I think Prigozhin is... A proper mercenary. Like, Ike not only, you know, fights for money, or his troops fight for money, but, uh, sorry, fight for interest, but they purely fight for money. Like, imagine if we found out what the Russian MOD paid Prigozhin. A billion dollars. And we said a billion and one. He'd be like, yep, I'll fight for them. Like, I feel like he's just a proper mercenary commander who's like, whoever's paying the most, I'll fucking do it. Yeah, what are the Ukrainian governments like? You know what? How about we just pay you? Just go away. No, pay him to turn around. Pay him. Give us, give us Do all you your... Do you really pers- think it actually pay him to turn around? Well, not, sorry, not turn around. Okay. Because they're in the reverse <laughs> camps. No, pay them. Go forward back into Buckmoot and just... Man, like, if you could like, buy off Prigozhin, I'm meaning. Oh, okay. I thought I was like, what are you sorry. talking about right now? Turn around as it like, go where? No, like, what, what, like, the point I'm making is like, Prigozhin just seems like he doesn't give a shit about anything other than his unit getting funding. And they've done some dodgy shit, man. There's a really good video at the moment talking about the commanders of uh, Wagner PMC. And it brings up this point that they once went into Africa and just stole a heap of gold and then fucked off. <laughs> like, really? Yeah, wild. Like, he's speaking about all these commanders and these like, all these commanders were like fired for like corruption in the Russian military defense. So then they've joined Wagner and all this stuff. It's wild. And he's just calling out, but I'd get it too. He's the, cause he has no tactical experience. So he has like these basic commanding officers beneath him, but I can see why he's pissed. If you've just, you know, well, his numbers were 20 to 30,000, I believe, but we don't know the real numbers. You've just spent that many guys of your own company in taking this area and within the week that it's handed over to the VDV, you've lost Berkivka, you've got gains on the south, whatever. Like, it's gone to shit very quickly. I can see why he's calling people out. He doesn't make precautions of shit. Can we, can we also, actually watch some of the video. Do you want to watch the first Let's one or the second one? No, no, no. I want to talk about the first bit of the video. 
because the first bit of the first video, or the yeah, first, first bit of the first video. I haven't watched the first video, so this is all going to be just straight up. I've watched a, a bit of the second. Just one. because there, there is a major funny in the first bit. Major have you seen the video? I should say first, if not, we'll put a screenshot up. When Prigozhin was walking around Bakhmut, basically claiming the victory there, and then he puts his arms around those two soldiers that just they look a bit not all there. No, I haven't seen that. Oh fuck! I wish you could. I wish. You, anyway, in the very beginning of this video, we'll put that as the overlay. That is funny. The Pippa and Dolik. Those are the two guys. And the, the photo will be here. He, he sort of walked up and put his arms around like these Wagner troops. And that went everywhere being like, look at the state of these two guys. Like this isn't these. I didn't even see that. Ten foot tall warriors that Wagner is saying that they are. So if, if this isn't this like 10 foot tall Wagner soldier of which they pitch themselves as. It's just these two like defeated looking like conscripts. And you're like, damn. <laughs> like, yeah. And it, that, but that's a throwback to that. And I thought that was the funniest bit of this entire interview. Prigozhin, man, he loves fucking around. Если вдруг будет опасно. Ну, на самом деле, 2 числа мы все вышли. Сегодня у нас 5 да? Сегодня 5 никого уже не осталось. So he said today the 5th. So this is a couple of days. What is the 7th or the 8th if you live in the other side of the world? But that for three days there's been um, divisions par partially withdrawn. No one has left. Back to the Wagner line put in rear camps. We've seen videos of these rear camps. Basically just areas where they're holding to refit and redeploy on from there. One thing interesting in this, when he says no one has left, from what I've researched, looked into, is no one has left from the assault forces, from the storm troopers from there, for the guys storming the lines. Who is left are some senior sort of even more tier one style Wagner guys to then train the VDV and give sort of that train advisor. So similar to what forces did say in Afghan with the ANA being like, we'll leave a couple of our high soldiers with you guys and, you know, moving parts, where to sight guns, everything from there. So is every single Wagner guy withdrawn? When they say all has gone, a lot of them are referring to the assault, not some of the training staff, at least from what my research has been. И подразделения все э, частично вышли на линию Вагнера, практически все остальные вышли сюда, в полевые лагеря. Вот у нас уже добрые выстрелы пошли сзади, да? Они, ребята, да, обучаются, тренируются. Значит, э, что происходит в Артемовске? Все позиции передали корректно, подписали все акты, все в порядке, все хорошо. Вчера... So already, you can see the southwest of Avtomovsk, which is Bakhmut. Bakhmut was renamed um, since the fall of the Soviet Union. And that already the armed forces of Ukraine have occupied positions on the southwest. Now, this, this is a couple of days old. Now we know that the armed forces of Ukraine have occupied positions of the north, sort of straight north of anything. So up into Berkivka as well, and that's moved. That front line dramatically over only the past 24 hours further in as well. In the south of Artemovsk, they have already taken the division of the VSU. 
заняли почему? Потому что когда там были ЧВК «Вагнер», то несмотря на то, что опасность высокая, тем не менее в садах зарывались, стояли и отражали любые попытки контрнаступать. У Министерства обороны, к сожалению, другая тактика. У них тактика по принципу, что если есть очень хорошо укрепленный район, значит в нем можно находиться. А если нужно приложить усилия, то лучше не находиться. Пустоты в войне не бывает. Война пустоту не терпит. И поэтому в садах находится ВСУ. Если в садах ВСУ не выбить немедленно, а их надо выбивать постоянно, артиллерийским огнем, пехотой, то они зайдут сначала в Тетрис, после этого, и все остальное будет складываться в том же направлении, как мы и наступали, собственно говоря. И самое опасное, что это сложение... When he says here the developments can materialize much more rapidly than they attacked, basically a few reasons for this is from one, dugging positions and supply, but also that when Wagner were there, they were clearing buildings, like they full buildings, and a building is much harder to clear, like a standing building, than rubble. And basically, you know, the the fighting within Bakhmut over the past no six months. Standing buildings. There well, might be a couple. They're, they're pretty much on the interior walls. There's literally nothing. No, if it, it's rubble, yeah. yeah, it's been bought. It's been bought to basically rubble in in Bakhmut. So yeah, it can go back a lot quicker than what it came. Оно может оказаться гораздо более быстрым, чем наступали мы. Мы наступали семь месяцев после попасный вообще год двигались по всем территориям. Если будет такое же отношение у подразделений Минобороны, как и сейчас, то я боюсь, что все в обратном порядке сложится за месяц полтора максимум. А что в Солидаре сейчас? Там о, есть какие-то попытки тоже продвижения в СУ? В Солидаре. Значит, э, вот э, война, мы воюем, собственно говоря, сами с собой. да, Как сказал Вагнер, Дима, э, еще в 2014 году. Мы воюем сами с собой. Поэтому наш менталитет, наш подход, э, наши все тактические шаги, они приблизительно такие же, как у противника, и у противника такие же, как у нас. Мы все выходцы из одной школы, с одной земли, собственно говоря, и э, учились в одинаковых приблизительно войнах. Но мы больше чуть-чуть войн прошли, ну не чуть-чуть, а мы больше прошли, как Чеваковагнер. Вот. Поэтому э, у противника, у него э, понятная стандартная тактика. Сначала щупаем оборону. После этого вклиниваемся туда, куда пошло, и там наращиваем усилия. С точки зрения Бахмута и Солидара есть две ключевые дор... три ключевые дороги. С Часового Яра, со Славянска и с Северска. Если идти по трем дорогам, то понятно, что часть подразделений начинают разрезаться и попадают в капкан. Это украинцы и делают. Сегодня были потеряны э, позиции, утеряны, утрачены позиции около Раздоловки. Это у нас северное направление. Э, несколько дней назад они шли по дороге со стороны Славянска. Не сегодня, а завтра пойдут с Часового Яра и добавят второе кольцо, грубо говоря, попытки окружения наших группировки. Они добавят ее по низу, подрезав со стороны э, Азаряновки, Курдюмовки. И, собственно говоря, Торецка. Если начать отступать, то дальше будем отступать сначала до линии Вагнера. Мы не будем отступать, мы сейчас здесь вот, да, сосны, все хорошо, готовимся. Подразделения Министерства обороны будут отступать сначала до линии Вагнера, а после этого и дальше. 
No, the, the second one we're about to play is the one that I had actually the, – the one that I had actually seen earlier. And we're just going to run it. Жалко. Они на самом деле приходишь на зону и говоришь с заключенными. Там у них мозг развит значительно лучше, чем в нашем среднем обществе. И плюс они ничем не отягощены. Им не хочется иметь красивые ботинки, не знаю, там есть вкусные гамбургеры. Их все устраивает. Они абсолютно неприхотливые люди. И поэтому заключенных мы учили два месяца. Но это минимум. Меньше двух месяцев невозможно ничему научить. Это просто будет пушечное мясо. Вот, поэтому должны быть два месяца. Двух месяцев я кричал, визжал, требовал. Все говорили, что я слишком шумно заявляю. У нас двух месяцев уже нет. Потому что если ВСУ сейчас прорвет линию обороны, а оно, собственно говоря, уже прорвало. Под Артемовском уже в трех местах у них прорвано. В Торецке сегодня идет большое накопление. Я вижу по своей разведке, у меня разведка развита. И не сегодня-завтра они начнут резать Кудимовку Азарян. So what he was just talking about there is he's literally saying the Russian government would not allow him to train the people that he's pulling out of those uh, jails in a timely fashion. They, they wanted it done quicker, and he's, he kept saying it over and over again, they'd become cannon fodder, they'd get the minimum of two months. But it was kind of somewhat, somewhat strange that he was saying that their, their brains are more developed than the average civilian inside of Russia because they've been sitting inside of a jail cell, I guess, and just rotting away. I don't know if you caught on to that. I, I, th I think there's a loss because this is, of course, being translated. I think there had to be Not interpreted. Yeah. So translation is just word for word, where interpretation is what did he actually mean by that? And unless you're a native speaker, I think it could be, apparently it's very difficult. I think what he's more getting at is things like resilient to trauma, uh, maybe things they've seen, things they've done. So it's more developed in warfare like a jail is a very rough place jail is a rough place in general if you've got arrested for murder in russia those jails are going to be rough as guts so i th i think that's more what you're referring to that's makes a little bit more sense yeah but we've seen him again and again also say that you have to train people for a number of months you have to push them hard or else they're going to be cannon fodder. and this isn't the first time we've seen him say we've seen him say this over and over we have seen troops go from mobilized to front line basically as quickly as you can drive there as well and you and i know as well as former soldiers that your first months of training is you're still useless like you know and with no training you are completely useless it's it's, it's very hard and of course белгородская область трещит по швам на запорожье потеряли серьезнейший населенный пункт сейчас они ударят еще по северу, по югу, на Донецке. Ну, кстати, Сторицкая ударят тоже. Вторым ударом. Первый подрежут группировку Бахмут, а вторую, Артемовск теперь, да? А вторую ударят э, южнее. И время уже не будет. Каким образом действовать? Авиация не спасет. А что мы еще можем предложить? Is Belgorod is actually pronounced Belgrade in uh, in Russian, so people jump on me about saying it the wrong way. But as well as we have seen him say that we want to go up to the north and defend where we have seen the Polish and the Russian freedom, freedom of Russian Legion with the RVD and the RVC. There's two. Um, 
Of course, we've seen Prigozhin saying that we want to go and do that operation up there as well. So sort of leaning into that a little bit more, but talking about that without you know the, the, these pushes, will you know three areas that Bakhmut has broken through and that they'll go north and south of Donetsk, things like that. So he's talking about basically looking at the um, incompetence of the Russian MOD and then pushing on that. And we know that he loves to lean on Shogu... Um, and Garisimov, other leaders of the ministry like this as well, to sort of shame them into things as well. He actually did say, I don't know if it was in this one, the previous one, I never, we never even brought this up, that he actually does predict the Russian army will actually lose Bakhmut itself within a month and a half at max. Right. Yeah, max. Is what, I'm looking at it right now. I, I guess that was one that we did not bring up. Um, it was just, this is a cut-down version of it. Mm-hmm. And apparently the Russian soldiers are retreating for certain positions. That it, that's why he believes... I think it's just fault. He's like this is almost kind of reminds me of a uh, political propaganda scheme that I would see here in America. Like he's already coming out against the opposition. Like, hey, look, I did what I can. I'm back here. We're resting. We're training, and the Russians are going to fall back to my line here very soon. Yeah, I'm sitting in the rear, hanging out now. And then he can bring up to the MOD and be like, hey, look, I need another X amount of dollars, and I'll retake it for you as well. So I think Prigozhin's playing his own separate. War. I think he doesn't like, even care if they actually lose it at this point. Like, other than the fact that he lost men, like, them taking Burkivka, Burkivka they, they have taken it, and if they continue to push more north out of there, all they're going to do is cut off that Russian element that is in the north, which hopefully, for him, hopefully he doesn't have a lot of his dude just chilling. Well, Because they, they shouldn't, right, at this point? Other than, than some people that are doing a rotation out to train people. Yeah, well, as far as Wagner, there's very little people actually in location as far as... Well, he says no one, but from what I've heard, it's no one from assault detachments. We know that the senior leaders of the Russian force and the, as well, propagandists that work on that side, constantly go on about nuclear weapons. And we see here that what else can we offer? Press a nuclear bomb. We will never press it. And at the end of the day, Prigozhin is very senior in both, not only in Russian society and as far as intelligence of this as well. So it's probably a big statement saying they'll never press it because they know if they were, everything goes to shit from there. Бойцы, солдаты, еще раз повторюсь тысячный раз, они такие же, как у меня ЧВКшники, вагнеровцы. Такие же ноги, такие же руки. Какие-то есть поглупее, но если с ним поработать неделю, он будет точно так же все понимать. В армии самое главное управление. И уважение. У нас существует уважение. У нас есть определенная иерархия, в которой не лизоблюдство, а уважительное отношение друг к другу. Так как нет в армии уважения, то... Солдаты должны увидеть, что их потери, они, грубо говоря, отомщены. Есть справедливость. Не может быть уже отомщение, просто арест и посадка высшего военного руководства. Почему я говорю о высшей мере наказания? Потому что если... So, from Wagner PMCs, he talks about hierarchy. Now, Wagner works very similarly to the Russian Spetsnaz Special Forces units. They don't have a really outlined um, 
hierarchical structure as far as a rank structure. And you see this with any like regular soldiers when you've worked more and more with these sort of tier one guys and you will over your career. You start seeing that, yes, they wear a rank, they've got a rank, but it's so merit-based. And everyone who's served in infantry knows there's people in positions who don't have merit to be in those positions that it's just a big rolling beast. And you see that. But Wagner PMC, everyone who enters Wagner starts as a storm assault trooper at the bottom and have to work their ways up. And what that eliminates, to a degree at least, is these officers in, the say, a regular, um, like you say, MOD, Russian MOD here, just being put there because of their maybe education level, maybe their family, and just, but not based purely off merit as well. So that is something interesting about the hierarchical structure within Wagner PMC as well. But it's, I think it's funny too that he does then call it a mercenary force as well. I saw that, yeah. Солдаты узнают, что те, кто набедокурил, те, кто опозорил российскую армию, позорят их и расшвыриваются их жизнями, а ведь у нас как высшее руководство военное действует, вот сейчас, сегодня, мне полковники все регулярно из Ростова звонят и докладывают. У каждого полковника в телефоне такая красная маленькая программка, которую легко стереть, он мне звонит и говорит, у нас полная задница происходит. Что случилось? У нас Валерий Васильевич в истерике, опять выпил стакан водки и бьется в истерике. В таком случае вопрос, мы в любом случае, получается, сейчас понесем потери, да? То мы понесем по сейчас серьезные потери, я абсолютно в этом уверен. Мы э, сейчас наверняка лишимся части территорий, и эта часть территорий Российской Федерации. So, basically for the rest of this video, then he talks about the incompetence of the top, and he's talking shit about everyone. The thing, the thing that Prigozhin never talks shit on, is he never talks shit against Putin. He'll talk shit about the whole Russian MOD, the whole side, you know, Shogu, Gerasimov, Kadyrov, even the leader of the Chechens, Kadyrov, but he won't talk shit against Putin. And people have pointed that, hey, maybe there's something like a, a sort of cross from here. You've got the MOD for Putin and the MOD and then Putin to Wagner as well from there, but we don't really know. And then he also talks about losing... Russian territory as well, that then the Poles, Romanians from there, because of, you know, Russia's history with that, for then they'll be coming for areas as well, as we you know, like even in Finland. Finland has ground, if you look on a pre-map, they have ground um, that is in the Russian territory as well. So he, talk, he talks about that, and it's a really interesting video if you've got, you know, in 15, 20 minutes just to watch the whole thing. And Prigozhin's a very interesting character in this war. Not only is he giving us a lot of content, but he's also, you know, very interesting because it seems like he's not afraid to call out some BS and put things public as well. And some of the shit he says, if, like people go to Putin's a propagandist. Well, a lot of the shit he says comes true. Two days ago, Bokovka will fall. Today, Bokovka is under, is liberated. Like, you know, the thing is, then like Prigozhin says a lot of shit that he, that becomes true. Now, do you believe Prigozhin? No, of course, bloody not. But that is it. Now, I mentioned a name in there, Kadyrov, as well. Resman Kadyrov is the leader of the Chechens, which the Chechens have said to be 70,000 members strong. I can't confirm that, but that is a lot of guys. And with Chechens, we've seen operate in a place like Mariupol as well. And he's recently been that they want to go up into Belgrade and then, you know, defend that region. We've seen the border crossings too. The interesting thing about that 
mean today is they had basically a parade where they're filming shit, whatever. And from drone footage and other footage, we've actually seen the first um, of these four-wheel drive variants and this var- variant of protected mobility vehicle is actually a Chinese vehicle. And these vehicles have to have permission to export. So many have talked about and I've talked about as well that a big change for this war would be seeing then Chinese weapons turning up in the side as well because at the end of the day like we like the west can can continue supplying ukraine for basically an indefinite amount of time will it affect if we if we say five ten years will it affect economies absolutely it will can the will the weapon supply continue to go if we kicked up into wartime production we're not even relatively close to any type of wartime production no no no, we're just a normal american production now now american production and western production should have been higher for things like shells like things like 155 many people have pointed out hang on how have we run out in a minor war when we talk about wars of scale we're talking world wars and this war is between two nations and we've depleted stocks of 155 okay we need to make sure that we have more stock so kicking up things like that we haven't really kicked up to the absolute degree but then if china is china can pump out a lot of stuff and if china make an official um, non-neutral stance. China's official stance is neutral. People can argue that how they want. But if they made a stance of no neutrality and that they're on the Russian side and then we're supplying stuff through Russia through our northeastern connect border with Russia, that would open a whole different spectrum of this conflict from there. But it's it's just an interesting development that we've seen. And it's something I actually forgot. And I just a picture and my research that I've got from these floods as well, is it's washed away a heap of landmines. And landmines of which used to, if you were the occupying force, right, our landmines are here. If you're the, the force, say, the Ukrainian side of our landmines are here. What this flood has done is it's lifted up those fucking landmines and just shifted them wherever they bloody land. So now, thousands upon thousands of landmines, no clue where they are. And a landmine's waterproof. They have to they last in the ground. And they will still be active. And not only that, they'll land in mud, could land you know, a foot beneath the surface. And so now where these minefields were, we don't know where they are. So now there's mines fucking everywhere. It's crazy. I'm glad I'm not a part of that. I, I mean, I've seen a lot of the videos. I mean, it's kind of reminds me of some Katrina back in the day type right. stuff. So, all right, guys, we will uh, catch you up tomorrow. I know there's no mapping today. I, mean, I would expect tomorrow's going to be kind of a bigger day. And actually give you guys some some for sure's on where grounds have actually been taken and held. But what just to cut you off on the ending, what I will say about the mapping though, is all the mapping and the resources we're relying on Russian sources. The Ukrainian like campaign has been incredibly successful. There's very little footage coming out, if any, very little like mapping updates where though because those maps work off geolocated images. Mm-hmm. And if nothing's coming out, Rob and I we're sort of relying on what what is open source and that campaign is so effective that and even for these guys that make the maps it's very like, untrustworthy yeah it's then coming on to Russian sources so it's not, we don't know we just leave it alone yeah we'll wait till tomorrow yeah big deal love you guys thanks for hanging out with us we'll see you guys tomorrow